The following sermon is by Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcraleigh.com. And now, here's Pastor Steve. Would you take your Bible just for a couple of moments, turn to um, the Old Testament book of Isaiah. And if you're um, trying to find that in the Bible, you can probably just let your Bible fall open to the middle somewhere, and you'll find this big, large book, Isaiah, chapter 64. If you're visiting with us, the large numbers are the chapters, and the smaller numbers are the verse references. So uh, somewhere toward the end, Isaiah 64. Here's what we're going to do today. My heart is just filled with the music and all that's gone before. And so I just want to share a a couple of thoughts with you from this passage. Then we'll sing together and move through the rest of our service. But uh, the Word of the Lord speaks, Isaiah 64, verse 1 through 9. Let me read this for you out loud and you follow along in your copy of the Scripture silently. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence. As fire kindles the brushwood, as fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, that the nations may tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things which we did not expect, you came down and the mountains quaked at your presence. For from days of old they have not heard or perceived by ear, nor have the eyes seen a God beside you, who acts in behalf of the one who waits for him, who meets him, who rejoices in doing righteousness, who remembers you in your ways. Behold, you were angry, for we sinned. We continued in them a long time, and shall we be saved? For all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy garment, and all of us wither like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. There is no one who calls on your name, who arouses himself to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have delivered us into the power of our iniquity. But now, O Lord, you are our Father, and we are the clay and you are the potter, and all of us are the works of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, O Lord, nor remember iniquity forever. Behold, look, now all of us are your people. Would you bow for a word of prayer? Our Father, we love you and thank you for this wonderful Lord's Day. Thank you for the beautiful music and just to celebrate the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. We, we thank you for all that you've done for us today. I pray in these uh, few moments as we look at this text that's before us, that on this first Sunday of Advent, we would have the hope of the coming of the same Lord Jesus who came in the manger and died on the cross, who was resurrected from the grave, who ascended into heaven, shall one day, we believe, return again to do away with all injustice in the world and to establish Your righteous people. We call for You. We love You. We thank You. We believe in You. Help us now, for it's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. As I was thinking about this text this week, I was simply thinking about the idea that it says here, come down so we can come up. Come down so we can come up. And let me just make three points in this uh, little passage for you as we move through this today. From verse 1 through 3, here is the first point. Oh God, come down. Look back at the text. 
Oh, that You would tear open the sky or the heaven. Oh, that You would rend it, tear it, open it up, and come down. That the mountains may quake at Your presence. As fire kindles brushwood and as fire causes water to boil, make Your name known to Your adversaries. Why? That the nations may tremble in Your presence. When You did awesome things which we did not expect, You came down and the mountains quaked in Your presence. Brothers and sisters and everybody that's in this room, the call of this text is for the same God of heaven who came down on the first advent to give us the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the manger to live a sinless and a perfect life, to die on the cross of Calvary, to be raised again, to give us new life, that that same Jesus would come again and redeem His people once more and take us forever in His hand of righteousness and bring righteousness to all the world. Amen? So I just want to say to us, let us call upon the God of heaven to come down. Why? That His adversaries, that His enemies, that those who are against God would know that He is the one true God. As if the author here in Isaiah says, God, I want You to come down so that You can grab the people who don't believe in You and shake the truth into their life that You really are real, that You really did come. You know, isn't it funny that when we think about this first Sunday of Advent, we're talking about uh, looking toward the second coming of the Lord. And here we are celebrating the first coming of the Lord. And isn't that the way that you would think? You would think that we would remember the second coming of Jesus by celebrating the first coming of Jesus. But that's not the way that Advent works. On the first Sunday of Advent, we are supposed to remember and reflect and think about the second coming of Jesus so that when we worship together and we sing all of these songs about the first coming of Jesus, that we remember why He came. For it is the Christ that is in the manger upon which you can see the cross already written in His heart. And it is upon Golgotha that you see the manger all the way along in the Lord's life. From birth to death to resurrection, He was dying for the sins of those who would believe. As we look around our world, as we turn the news on, and sometimes it disgusts us so bad that we want to turn it back off, I want everybody here today to remember, God, come down again. Come down again and make things right. Come down again and feed those who are starving to death. Come down again and save those from uh, all of the iniquity and the pain and the death and the murder and nation against nation and all of the wickedness in the world. God, come down and make Your name known among Your adversaries and do great things on behalf of Your people again. For about 400 years from the Old Testament to the New Testament, there's silence from God. And don't you know that the people of God were meeting all along thinking, when is the Savior coming? When is the Messiah coming? Is all of this for naught? Is any of this really going to happen? But it did. And our brothers and sisters have played and sung to you the songs of 2,000 years of remembering that the Lord Jesus really did come into the world. And I say to us today on this first Sunday of Advent, let us call to the God of heaven and say, come down, tear open the heavens, 
and come down so that all the wickedness in the world would shudder and be fearful at the righteousness of our God and that His people might worship Him for His sovereignty, for His power, for His glory. For the same Christ who is in the manger is the same Christ who will rule and reign over the world again. Here's the second point from the text. Look, if you would, at verse 4 and following. For from days of old they have not heard or perceived by ear, nor has the eye seen a God beside you. And then look what happens here. Who acts. Our God acts in behalf of those who wait for Him. You meet with kindness those who rejoice in doing righteousness, who remember your ways. But look here. All the text turns and in an ironic fashion it takes us down into the pit of despair of our own life. Behold, you were angry for we sinned and we continued in them a long time. And shall we be saved? For all of us have become like one who is unclean and all of our righteous deeds are like filthy garments because we're in mixed company and children in the room today. I'll not dive into that word for you. But in your own time, I tell you that even your own righteousness is as filthy, dirty garments in the eyes of God. If you're in this room today and you think that somehow you'll make it to heaven or you're okay or Jesus loves you because you're a good person and you help out people and you're better than your neighbor, I want you to understand that even the good things that you do when compared to the glory and majesty and righteousness of Jesus are as filthy, dirty garments. Please don't leave here today ever trying to earn your way by your favor, by your merit, by your goodness into the presence of God. You must bow down and say, no, I am unworthy. I am unclean. All of us have gone astray in our own sins. Let me point this out to you. I was talking with a friend of mine before service today. This is interesting and then I'll move. Look what it says at the end of verse 5. Behold, you are angry for we sinned. We continued in them a long time. And probably your version of the Scripture has a question. And shall we be saved? Did you know that originally, that just simply says, we are saved. That's a scandal, isn't it? Surely there's a mistranslation there. How in the world could we have righteousness that's as filthy rags? How could we be wicked, sorry, no good sinners, and yet we are saved? I think the Apostle Paul picks up on that in the New Testament in the book of Romans when he says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. God is not waiting for you to clean your own life up. God is not ready for you to just get a little better and do a little bit more and find a little plane in life and give a little more. God is not interested in you finding space in your life to be a good person. God comes to you just like you are with all of the skeletons in your closet, with all the pain in your background, with all of the sin and malice in your heart, with all of the gossip, with all of the shame, with everything right where you are just like you are, He will save you. Not by your own works, not by you helping God out, but because you are completely helpless and God is completely sovereign and Jesus is completely good. Amen? So come down. Come clean. 
Why don't you come clean today? My, my brothers and sisters that are behind me, they know they are not perfect, but they are singing about a perfect Savior who came into the world to die for you. Don't leave here today thinking, well, I wore the right clothes and I went to a Christmas musical and, and I'm being religious this time of the year. No, you know in your heart that things aren't right. Why don't you make this the one time in your life that you're actually honest with yourself and with God. And quietly right now, even while I'm speaking, just simply say, Lord, He's right. Your Word is right. I try and fake. I put on a good exterior. I want everybody to think that I'm religiously okay. I may have even been a member of a church for a long time. But you have no transformation on the inside. You have no joy of the Lord on the inside. You know that you're still trying to earn your way rather than believing on Jesus Christ. Come clean. Come clean. And then lastly, look if you would at verse number 8 and 9. But now, O Lord, You are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. And all of us are the works of Your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, O Lord, nor remember iniquity forever. Behold, look now. All of us are your people. Isn't that what you really want? Now, I know some of you are thinking about what comes next and what about tomorrow and whether you've done enough shopping and, and what kind of a size turkey you'll have at Christmas Day and all of that kind of stuff. But I'm simply asking that when you pillow your head at night and all of those things go away and the most serious, the most important question in your life is, will God come near to a person like me? What's he say in this passage? Two illustrations. I'm your father, and I am the potter. I have given birth to you. You are my children. I love you as one of my own. You've gone astray. You've gone your own way. But I love you and I want to pull you close to me. I want to wash all of your sins away. I want to give you new life. I want that relationship to be restored as a father with a son. And what else? As a potter puts his hand upon the clay and molds it and shapes it. And the pottery takes upon the form of the hands of the father. So God wants to do with your life. Oh God, would you come down? Church, would you come clean? And God, would you come near? Usually when I'm preaching, I don't close my Bible at the last because everybody knows that means it's time for conclusions. But can I just say one last word to you as a friend? You need God to come near to you in your life right now. If you don't know Christ Jesus as your Savior, the most important thing in the world is that God comes near to you in the presence of His Son and brings salvation to your heart. And if you're a believer, you need the nearness of God to you. Is there anything between you and the Savior? Any sin? Why don't you give that up? Why don't you let all of this music bring to your mind the truth that the Son of the living God will one day come back into the world to make all things right? 
But He can make all things right in you today because He came the first time. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes just for a moment? In just a moment, we'll stand and sing a song together. I believe it's in Christ alone. And there is no better song to think of than that. But in this moment, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm going to ask you to do a bunch of stuff right where you are. Maybe you've gone all week and you've not talked to God. I want to give you the opportunity. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, whether you're 4 or 40 or 80, talk to Him. Talk to Him right now in your own mind and say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And I know I cannot earn my salvation. And I believe that Jesus died and rose again for me. I trust you. I give you my life. And for those in this room who are believers, won't you cry out alongside of me, God, come down. My heart, come clean. And God, come near. Your nearness, O Lord, is our good. If we sing songs and light candles... God does not come near to our hearts. It is all in vain. Plead and call and beg that the God of heaven through His Son, the Lord Jesus, by way of the Spirit, would come near to you right now. You are a broken piece of pottery. God will not throw you away. He will put you back on the wheel. He will put His hands upon your life. And He will shape you into the image of His dear Son. Pray now. Trust Christ and surrender to Christ. You've been listening to Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh. For more information and free access to other messages, please visit us at ebcraleigh.com.